The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday, February the 7th, 2022. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Monday. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you tuning in. Also, a lot of people have been... uh, been checking out the the podcast as well, which can be found uh, on all the places you download your podcast, or you can go to ESPNTucson.com to uh, access it there as well. But you can go to you know Apple, uh, the Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast, um, Audible. There's Stitcher, TuneIn, all the different places you can get podcasts from. You can download it there. A lot of people, I noticed a lot of people downloaded the podcast from Friday, and uh, <laughs> apparently I had some some interesting things to say on Friday. I don't. People, it's one of those things like, (laughs) I always, I I mean, I know, I know what's going to get, I know what gets clicks. I understand this. I I, I know what it gets. I'm not a clickbait person. So I don't, I don't say stay tuned for something provocative. You know, I'm I'm never going to be one of those guys. I just, I just try to do a radio show that gets you guys as much information as possible, which is why I talk so damn much and I talk so damn fast because I'm just trying to share all that I have with you guys. And I'm not trying to be like, let's see how many clicks we can get on this, and let's see what I can say to to to, to boost the downloads on the podcast stuff. I just say stuff. Like, if I have information, I talk about it with you guys. Trust me, there is plenty of information that I have that I do not share with you guys for a lot of reasons. I like to keep things to myself for a lot of things. And to be honest with you, I have a trust level with certain people that I engage with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly level and have been for several years. And I try to make sure that I don't sully that relationship because my relationship with them is a hell of a lot more important to me than any kind of ratings or downloads on a podcast or anything like that. Just just know that when I, like, if I say something, it has a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of support behind it, let's say. Um, I'm not going to say things and just throw spaghetti to a wall and see what sticks. I, I just that's just that's never been my game. I don't like doing that. Um, just trying to be honest with you guys. Try to be open as we can be here and share with you as much as I possibly can and try to give you as much of the insight that I have. And I'm not saying that I'm like the insider, like. It, it, like if you want to get inside information on you know this uh, you know amazing stories and things that are happening, like, there are plenty of people that have their ear to the ground in Tucson that will give you better information or more earlier information than I'll have for you. And I'm sure you know who those people are, and uh, and you can go and seek them out. They do a phenomenal job. I follow them too. Like I, you know, I listen to what those guys have to say. But it's you know it's it's not a competition for me. I'm not trying to like one up anybody, and I'm certainly not trying to put anybody down. So when you know when you listen to the show, and I do appreciate you tuning in, just know that it's coming from a, a position of open and honesty. And I just just try to get you guys as much information I can. Try to be as entertaining as I can be in the world of sports, and try to help you guys out uh, with with 
getting some insight and maybe looking into some different things. Like like when I talk about certain things about, you know, three keys to victory and all this other stuff when I'm talking about Wildcat basketball, you know, these are it's because I've, I've had conversations with people that actually game plan for the teams. And, you know, it's like I, I don't just like, oh, okay, well, this is a good rebounding team, so we have to make sure they don't out-rebound us. And I, it, that's just pointless to me. Anybody can pick up a newspaper or newspaper. Good Lord, now I'm dating myself. <laughs> pick up your newspaper, everybody, and check out the box score. Oh, boy. See, that's the thing. Like, that's the last time I really – like. And I'm going to go back in history here. Like, fantasy football. I do not play fantasy football. I have not played fantasy football in a long time. In fact, I think – hell, the last time I think I played fantasy football, I was running the league, and Terrell Owens was my best player. Like, that shows you how long ago – it's been since I've played fantasy football. Like, I still hearken back to the days where I would go into work on a Monday with the sports page under my, you know, under my arm and walk in and start circling. Okay, Emmett Smith had me, you know, 22 carries for 110 yards and two touchdowns. Let's do the math. That's five points, 12 points, 17, plus he got an extra bonus for that. And then you would, like, you know, call your buddies. And be like, Emmett Smith got me 17 points. How many points did, you know, so-and-so get? Like, those were fun. Like, doing the math on your own and stuff and getting out the newspaper and circling your players' stats. And, like, the computer does it now. I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's super easy, I guess. But I don't know. I, I always have, I've, I've always had a, a problem with fantasy sports just because, like, for instance, if I, if, I were, if I had drafted Aaron Rodgers, like let's say I was playing fantasy football this year, and I had drafted Aaron Rodgers onto my football team, and they played the 49ers, there's no way in hell that I could root for Aaron Rodgers to have a big game. Like, I'm not, that's not gonna, I'm not going to do it. I can't, I just can't emotionally get involved with a player who's playing against my team. So I just don't do it. So, like, the only fantasy sports that I ever play, and if, and honestly, nobody even asks me anymore. Like, all my buddies and stuff, they know that I'm basically out. Like, I'll play fantasy NASCAR, which is fun, because while I do have, like, a, you know, a quote-unquote favorite driver or whatever, I root for a lot of guys, in, in, you know, in NASCAR. And to be honest with you, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, it was tough for me because I had interviewed all these guys and I would, you know, text them or whatever, and I had, you know, drivers' phone numbers and would talk to them all the time and stuff. So it was tough for me. I was rooting for, like, 11 different guys <laughs> to win a race. Um, nowadays I don't, you know, I haven't covered the sport that closely in a long time, so I don't know the guys as well, uh, anymore, but so like fantasy, like NASCAR, I'll do that. Or, uh, if somebody wants me to jump in on a fantasy NBA thing, I'll just be like, just give me DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul and Devin Booker and just throw whoever, I don't care. Just throw the rest of the guys in. Uh, I don't, I don't care who else. Can I just have those three guys? And then I don't care who else I have. And they're like, you're not playing the right way, Jeff. I'm like, I don't want to play. Like, that's if you don't want to play the way that I want to play, then I don't want to play. That's just the way I am. I'm, I guess I'm a brat that way. I don't know. Uh, there's plenty of things going on in the world of sports outside of me talking about my anti-fantasy football stance. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have hired their new head coach. It is former 49ers, now 40, former 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. 38-year-old Mike McDaniel going to be taking over the reins of Tuba Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins as apparently they were just absolutely blown away by Mike McDaniel. Now, as someone who reads every single article that the 49ers put out, because that's what I've always done, I can tell you that he was extremely highly respected in the organization, 
for you know for several years. He he was he's been attached at the hip to Kyle Shanahan since 2013. They were together in Washington. He took Mike McDaniel with him to the Atlanta Falcons. Then he brought Mike McDaniel with him to the 49ers. Like they've been together for a long, long time. McDaniel was the running game coordinator for the 49ers for the first four years of his tenure there. Got elevated to offensive coordinator this year. Obviously had great success. The 49ers offense really took off in the second half of the season and has done a phenomenal job. Now, according to what I read and what I've heard, that uh, he absolutely just knocked the interview out of the ballpark. Like he crushed it with the Miami Dolphins. And uh, they're super excited. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Just of note, okay, Mike McDaniel does identify as multiracial, okay? Um, so, therefore, not only does it uh, does it apply to the Rooney Rule, because he is uh, he is in fact multiracial, multiracial, but it also gives the 49ers a, a an extra comp, uh, compensatory draft pick in the upcoming NFL draft. They get a third round pick this year and a third round pick next year for developing a uh, a minority uh, a minority assistant coach who was then elevated to a head coach. This is now the second time this has happened because Robert Sala, who is also a minority in the terms of the uh, the NFL, he was also elevated to head coach and a former defensive coordinator, of course, for the San Francisco 49ers, was very successful for them. So, again, they were able to receive compensatory picks under the Rooney Rule for developing yet another multiracial or minority uh, minority coach that got, t- got elevated to uh, head coaching status. So now McDaniel joins the joins the league of minority head coaches, of course, Mike Tomlin, the only black head coach, Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, who's the only Hispanic coach, New York Jets head coach Robert Sala, of course, and now Mike McDaniel. So that is uh, that is where we stand right now as far as – look, this is something that we didn't even talk about last week with the whole Brian Flores – uh, you know the, the whole Brian Flores lawsuit and everything is the fact that you know he's he's suing because there aren't enough black coaches in the league, which I totally agree with. But we also kind of glazed over the fact that there are in fact other minorities. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I talked about it a little bit. I said you know Hispanic and Asian and things like that. There are other minorities that are out there that are also not being included in the you know in the the, the discussion for NFL head coaches. So when you look at it, of the 32 teams, one-eighth of them are now being headed up by what is considered a minority, which is whether it be a multiracial or any other type of race that is considered a minority. So four of the 32 teams, that's one-eighth, that's 12.5%. Still not enough, okay? You know, still not enough in my opinion. It needs to be more diverse than that. But there are things that are, that are coming, that are, that are working themselves into play, and I think it's important that we recognize that. So let's, you know, let's not make sure that we just focus on the lack of black head coaches. We can also talk about the lack of Hispanic head coaches, Asian head coaches. We don't have an Asian head coach. You know, uh, Norm Chow was, you know, in college for for a long, long time, uh, but we haven't had one elevated to head coach in the NFL. Okay, so these are, you know, there are other other races out there that are also being uh, uh, not included in the uh, in the hiring process. So. NFL will continue to work on it. They said so over the weekend. It's you know they made a statement over the weekend that there's going to be changes to the NFL's diversity policies. And again, there's no way to force these 
owners to hire minorities. There's no way to say, uh, okay, if, if you fire your coach, you know, we're now under 20% in the league, so you need to hire a minority coach in order to get us back over 20%. You can't do that. <laughs> so not in, not in the, f- the framework of the way the NFL operates, okay? Uh, so that is, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a testy subject. And look, it's, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. Okay, it's taken a long time for us to get look, – look how long it took us to have a black quarterback in the NFL. Like, it, it took a long time for, for that to develop. And now you look at college, and, I mean, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. I'd be willing to bet that north of 40% of the starting quarterbacks in Division One football this year were of minority of some type of, of a minority race or identified as a minority. So it's it's slowly working its way through the process. And, again, it's probably more slowly than a lot of people would prefer. Um, certainly, you know, I'm I'm of, of that opinion. But uh, it's it's just going to take time. You know, these are, these are old men who are set in their ways, and I know that's not an excuse, but it takes time to change the hearts and minds of people. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the old saying? A, a, a leopard never changes its spots. There you go. That's something something to remember there as we're uh, we're discussing all this. It takes time, and it's good that these things are all being brought up. Like I said, I am fully in support of Brian Flores bringing this lawsuit against those teams that that have have displayed discriminatory practices. I am in full favor of him bringing that to light. I still don't think that the NFL needs to be sued over this personally. I think the NFL has done. Maybe maybe not as much as they could. Again, I'm not a legal expert, you know, any of this stuff. I feel like the NFL has done a by the by the letter of the law as well as they possibly could. Again, you're leaving things open to interpretation, and these owners are going to twist and manipulate things to their advantage. They always have. They always will. People with the money always seem to figure things out, or they pay somebody to figure it out for them. I mean, look at what's happening in Major League Baseball right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I had conversations. I'm, I'm, I'm close with several Major League Baseball players. One of them happens to be a very vocal, uh, very prominent member of Major League Baseball and someone who is in the, I mean, right at the forefront in the trench war of this, continue, of, of this particular uh, bargaining agreement right now. I have not spoken to that particular player, but I have spoken to someone who is very close to that player, and I can tell you, that that particular player, as well as many, many, many others that I've been in contact with and just kind of know over the years, are of the belief that there will not be a spring training this year. And if there is a spring training this year, that it will be a shortened spring training followed by a shortened season. They are so far away right now. Look, the league asked a mediator to come in, a, a federal mediator to come in and try to get the two sides together when – the owners basically, I mean, their only offer to the players was something they, they completely ignored all the things the players were even asking for. And again, you know, the owners, unfortunately for the players, and I will say unfortunately because, yes, I know they're highly paid and they're, you know, paid to play the game of baseball and all this other stuff, and they're not putting themselves in harm's way like some uh, some of the other sports out there, hockey, football, such, and, you know, basketball, the wear and tear on the bodies and everything. I get it. And a lot of people only see the dollar amount that these players are getting. You also have to understand that there are 
I mean multitudes. The, the, the majority of Major League Baseball players are essentially mistreated for their services. You, you look at the way that owners and organizations have manipulated the current program, the current system that they have to bounce players back and forth between the minors and the majors to make sure that they didn't qualify for free agent, uh, you know, free agent uh, lines of demarcation, essentially, you know, uh, prerequisites, uh, arbitration prerequisites, making sure that they, okay, well, I, I don't care that they're hitting 330 at the majors. We can't allow them to play the final 30 games of the season. Otherwise, they're going to get arbitration, and we're going to have to pay them more over the next two years. Like, that's the kind of crap that's happening to the majority of the players in the league. Look, there are plenty of players out there who have proven themselves or obvious superstars in the league that are being paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Those are the ones that most of the fans only pay attention to, though. They're like, oh, these players are all making hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, you don't understand that there are so many guys out there that are just struggling. They just want to play. Like, they have performed. To the, they have performed their duties. They have done everything they possibly could at the AAA level. All they want to do is be a Major League Baseball player. But because they're 23 years old and the owner has them on some cheap-ass contract that pays them $110,000 a year and is bouncing them back and forth between Durham and, you know, the Atlanta Braves or, you know, whomever. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of throwing them out there right now. It uh, is manipulating the system so that they can continue to get the services of that player at that dollar amount for a specific number of games each year so that they don't have to pay them. And they, a lot of these owners don't care about the wins and losses. They're like, you know, we're going to put fans in the stands. We're going to win 77 games this year and be really close, and we're going to sell everybody on the fact that we've got this young talent down at AAA and we've got a great farm team, and we needed them to develop some time and, you know, all this. And, and it's, it's literally just comes down to the fact that they want to keep them under their thumb for two more years. And the players are asking for more leverage in that situation. They don't want to be to be held under the thumb of the of the organizations of the owners for six years. They want to say, "Look, at four years, we're free and clear." You have you have four years to decide whether a player is going to be a big time uh, 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 part of your team or not. If you can't, you know, bleep or get off the pot in that amount of time for a, for a specific player in your farm system, then they have earned the right to move on and seek you know, seek uh, employment elsewhere. But the owners don't want that. They want to continue to to harvest these players and just hold them, you know, hoard all of these guys in there and then end up selling them for a bucket of balls later on and that person's name gets sullied because they were traded as a PD, you know, the, the player to be named later and all that stuff. Like, it's, it's a, just a bad look. Like, the players got the big time short end of the stick on the last CBA and they're not going to stand for it. They're they're not going to allow it to happen this time because they got smarter guys in the room this year. And guys that have learned that have been there that were that were part of that transitioning period that have been players that were held out essentially from playing in the majors just because of their number. And it's not fair. And if any other corporation did it, we would be fighting mad for our, you know, for our fellow worker or for our spouse or for our family member or our best friend who was being mistreated that way. We would feel the exact same way. And right now, those two sides are so far apart. Like, I was contacted because I, I do PA for the San Francisco Giants during spring training here in Scottsdale. And I was contacted by them uh, a couple of weeks ago asking if I was still interested in, in doing it again this year. You know, they want to send me the thing. And they were like, you know, we'll be honest with you. Like, it's, it's not looking good. <laughs> like, we, we, it doesn't look good right now. I'm like, yeah, I know. 
I know. I talked to a few people. Said said they don't uh, they don't expect it to happen either. It's really unfortunate. Because damn, I do love baseball, and uh, you know, as much as the sport has become something that I don't even hardly recognize these days, I still love the game of baseball. I still want to see a season be played. I still want to see spring training. I want to people see people out there in the sunshine, enjoying a beer and a hot dog, and watching some baseball. It's what we've always done. It's what we've done for 120 years in this country. I'd like to continue to do that. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. And to celebrate, they're going to give new customers that 56 to 1 odds on the Super Bowl. It is awesome. You can bet $5. All you, all you can do, you deposit 10 Okay, it's a $10 deposit required. Anytime you open up an account on FanDuel, it's $10. Other, other sites require 50 bucks. FanDuel's like, just give us 10 bucks. Open your account with $10, okay? And for your first bet, you can bet 5 bucks on the Super Bowl. You're going to bet Bengals. You're going to bet Rams. It's your choice, okay? If you win, you get $280 cash, not site credit, not, not to use in future bets. You can just cash out and walk away and be like, I'm 100%. Lifetime better. I bet the Super Bowl. I won 56 to 1 odds on the Super Bowl, and I walked away a winner. That could be you if you want to. Uh, as much as my heart wants to pick Joe Burrow, I was asked about this yesterday. Like, as much as I want to pick Joe Burrow to win that game, I just think the Cinderella story might be over. The, my brain is telling me that the Rams are going to win this one this year. Regardless of who you're betting, there's plenty of fun prop bets that you can include in your betting as well. If you're not a new customer, if you're an existing customer and want to join in on some fun prop bets, I was just on it before the show started. There's like seven pages of different props, and each page is 30 paragraphs long. There are so many that you can have fun with. Like, share with your buddies. Like, you know, take screenshots and be like, hey, what do you think about this one? Oh, that one sounds fun. Let's do that. Like, my buddies and I, we do that all the time. I'm like, share a prompt bet. Did you see this one? Oh, my God, I didn't see that one. I'm betting that one right now. Happens all the time. And we're all going to bet the any offensive lineman to have a receiving touchdown because we're all fat guys, and we like to watch fat guys score touchdowns. And there's no better place to bet Super Bowl 56 than on FanDuel Sportsbook. They offer great promotions for new and existing customers. You can customize same-game parlays your way and combine smaller bets for bigger payouts. And when you get paid, when you win – it happens lightning fast, fewer than two hours turnaround time for that cash money to be hitting your account. So don't miss out on your chance to turn $5 into $280 cash Ola. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Use my promo code DEAN. That's the only way you can access the promos by accessing it with my promo code DEAN to make every moment more this Super Bowl. Again, using my promo code DEAN, you can do that exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager and designate an offer market. Max bonus is $280. Restrictions apply. See ter- full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Coming up after the break, we'll continue to talk some NFL. We've got some NBA to con- talk about as well. Still a whole lot more to come on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Lots going on on the uh, socials today. People are people are active out there. I like it. Got to be more active. In fact, uh, I just I just uh, retweeted something out there talking about the social interactions that uh, of of all of the, the the like the D one schools essentially and all the all the the major schools out there. Uh, Arizona coming in 
15th right now as far in re- in regards to social interactions and social media, which is awesome. Like, this is not – Tucson is not the most uh, uh, tech-savvy, I guess, if you will, community, not to mention it's a much smaller community than a lot of these other schools that are listed. You know, I mean, all the schools above them are in much bigger cities and communities and such. Uh, so it's awesome to see that uh, fan interaction is so high uh, for the uh, for the Wildcats on social media it's right now, according to the uh, according to the uh, the database that is listed here in that in the tweet, Arizona fifteenth in the country as far as fan interaction goes, and uh, some other school from up north listed ninety fifth on that list, which is you know considering the city is six times bigger than the city of Tucson uh, to be that far behind them in social interaction just tells you everything you need to know about what people think about their uh, their home. Their home team up uh, up here in uh, in the city that I live in, unfortunately. Now, speaking of that, the Wildcats are going to be in town here in Tempe. It's, it's, people have kind of forgotten about it. Like, oh, yeah, there's a basketball game tonight. Arizona taking on Arizona State in Tempe. Uh, that game going to be on tonight, of course. And, you know, this is, again, a, a situation where Arizona has been playing a lot of games over the, you know, over the last several days. You know, we talked about it last week. This is going to be where, you know, a situation where Arizona is playing five games in nine days, three games in five days, including a trip up the I-10 to take on Arizona State tonight. Now, that game is going to be on FS1. Tip-off is scheduled for 7 p.m. Arizona heavily favored in the game but Arizona State coming off a huge win on Saturday night. I was I was watching that game, just morbidly curious to watch that game, uh, and I started watching it from about, I guess, early early second half on. I was watching that, and Arizona State jumps out to an 8-0 run to open the second half. They're up 10 on UCLA. UCLA is like, what is happening? And they, you know, for for whatever reason. They could not flip the switch and get that game won. They just couldn't nail it down. They were making all kinds of mistakes, mistakes you don't normally see out of that that particular team, that particular UCLA team, as, as experienced as they are and as savvy and, and high basketball IQ as that team is. They were making some ridiculous mistakes in that game. And, look, ASU, in my opinion, like, <coughs> pardon me, ASU in that game, was not like they were not impressive. It wasn't like they, you know, turned it on and and uh, and, and you know they they look they played good defense. I'll give them that. Um, and they play hard for for Bobby. You know that team has has uh, languished a lot this year, specifically on offense. They're just they can't shoot. Like they don't they don't make baskets. They just they just can't. Um, they're just a horrible horrible shooting team. But they made enough when it counted. And they were able to go scramble for some loose balls and force UCLA into some really uncharacteristic turnovers. And I, Mick Cronin was about as mad at a player as I've ever seen him specifically. He, Mick Cronin's not a guy who berates his players a whole lot. Like we talked about earlier, he's, you know, he burns hot. But he tries to get in the heads of the opposing players and the opposing coaches. He doesn't often berate his players the way he lit up Jaime Jaquez in a particular timeout in that game. I had never seen that before. I was like, wow, <laughs> to scream at Jaime Jaquez that way. But, you know, look, Jaime's a guy who can take it. I'm sure that, you know, he's he's a leader on that team. But So the the, uh, the Sun Devils coming off a huge win uh, over the what was the number three team in the country, you know, about 20 minutes after the show goes off the air today, the AP will release their, their rankings, not that – 
anybody should give a rip what those rankings are. But nonetheless, uh, they uh, they are you know they are a metric for by which people uh, by which people judge these uh, particular matchups. So if you want to look at the the net rankings where they you know where they stand, UCLA was the number fourteen, or they are the number fourteen. They were the number twelve uh, net team before that. ASU was like number 140, I think, or 141. They're currently 136 in the net after the results over the weekend. So, you know, this is not going to be a, a you know, big-time quad victory for, for Arizona should they pull it out uh, in Tempe tonight. Again, I you know, who knows? This is a UCLA coming off an emotional win. Arizona, after sweeping the L.A. schools at home, having to travel, this is going to be, a, you know, for both teams, it's going to be their third game in five days. Um, but, you know, Arizona having to travel, and and uh, both teams got got some tough competition from those schools uh, in their visits to, uh, to the respective uh, courts. So should be an interesting one tonight. Again, that's on FS1. And uh, tip time is at 7 p.m., so be looking forward to that and uh, see what happens, if if anything, if there's any type of – I know that I saw something online, and I wasn't sure if it was true or not, but it was corroborated by somebody whom I know. And basically, like, they were instructing the student section at Arizona State to rile up the UCLA bench, like try to get a reaction from the UCLA bench. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about that. Arizona, meanwhile, doing some things to try to get our student section, the Zona Zoo, to be more respectful of the other team. I saw the email that went out to the Zona Zoo. I thought it was extremely well written. It was extremely poignant. Um, It wasn't asking them to change too much other than the fact that, look, we're going to try to be a little more respectful. Let's not single out certain individuals, you know, with F-bombs. Let's let's try not to do that. Let's let's do things that single out players without using vulgarities towards them in a chant, in an out loud, in, a, in, a, in an overt chant. Now, I thought it was interesting because the student section started in right away on Saturday. Like, I mean, first minute of the game, Dale and Terry and uh, uh, Ethan Anderson, not Ethan Anderson, uh, Boogie Ellis, they collide heads on an inbounds play. It happened right in front of me. I could hear the pop of the two skulls when they collided. It was a loud pop. That was a very painful uh, or, ordeal for both of those players. Dalen was, was in pain. He was literally right in front of me. Uh, he was making those noises that you hear from someone who's in an extreme amount of pain that is trying not to, like, just explode um, in, in emotion. So... It will look at that the pop of the two skulls hitting together was it was loud. <laughs> I could hear it through my headphones because I wear a headset. Um, so you know, the fans started in right away, and then athletic director Dave Hickey started walking through the zone of zoo, and they kind of they kind of stopped at that point. Like they were like, "All right, well, you know, the boss man's here. We gotta we gotta be on our best behavior." Look, I'm all for the zone of zoo being loud and having chance. I've been in that in that arena. For, for almost 40 years now, I've been going to games there, and the Zona Zoo has always been amazing. The student section has always been fantastic. And I will say this. I will support you to the end, but if you start doing stuff like, you know, the FU chants and all this other kind of stuff, we don't, like, it's not necessary. Like, it's not, let's try to be more creative, okay? Let's not just throw FUs out there and leave it at that. Let's Let's be more creative. Let's be less vulgar. And let's have more fun and be louder. I mean, let's let's 
focus on the game at hand. And I know that they want to focus on individual players and stuff, and that's kind of what got the other uh, the UCLA player all bent out of shape that allowed him to feel like he needed to spit on somebody three several times or three uh, three separate times, which is completely uncalled for. So, but again, Zona Zoo is amazing. You guys do an awesome job. But let's I, – I agree with the email. If you were a part of the Zona Zoo and you received that email, I agree with everything that was said in that email, period. So you know what was said in there. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More uh, from the NFL and the NBA after this on, and the, uh, on the Jeff Dean Show. What show is this? Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the uh, Pro Bowl was uh, yesterday. AFC beat the NFC 41-35. Justin Herbert and Max Crosby named the co-MVPs. Kyler Murray threw four touchdowns in the game. One was to Darius Leonard, who plays defense for the AFC. That was a little bit of a problem. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. also had a pick six in the game. Uh, That's about all the coverage you'll get for Pro Bowl from me. But I think some of the funny things that happened, I shouldn't say funny things because they're not all funny. Alvin Kamara is in in jail right now because of a very not funny thing that happened uh, over the weekend in Las Vegas. Apparently there was... An altercation. He was arrested for uh, assault with bodily harm. I, he said that the, the report says that he was arrested at a nightclub at f- an incident that happened at five thirty p.m. According to that nightclub, uh, Dreyus or Dre or I don't know what it's called, um, the nightclub was closed. So, uh, was it a private event? I I don't know. Uh, more information will be coming out. But right now, Alvin Camaro. Uh, he was released this morning, actually, a uh, $5,000 bond. But he was in jail overnight and the uh, uh, after the game and uh, was arrested without incident after the uh, Pro Bowl game. And uh, so we'll see what happens. He was, there was a hearing this morning or scheduled for this morning in Las Vegas, and more information will be coming out about that. Uh, one of the other things that happens is reporters will talk to players of the Pro Bowl in, like, you know, confidential type of things, you know, and, and they'll ask them questions like, you know, who would you vote for, uh, you know, MVP, you know, who is this, and who's the most underrated player, what's the worst city to visit on the road, uh, and all this stuff. Um, and it's it's been kind of interesting. So the players, when asked confidentially, in, in, you know, players in, in, in anonymity, essentially, um, who they would vote for for the for, you know for the MVP and such. Basically, it was down to a you know a, a two man vote uh, between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Each of them got eight votes, so it was basically a tie. Jonathan Taylor finished third. Joe Burrow finished fourth with a couple of votes as well. As far as a defensive MVP, it was basically a consensus pick amongst the players as T.J. Watt was selected by these players to be the defensive MVP, followed by uh, Trayvon Diggs, who led the NFL in interceptions, and then uh, Aaron Donald was was also in the voting as well. Most underrated player was, uh, was kind of an interesting one as Hunter Renfro, wide receiver of the Raiders, took home the most votes from the players that were asked in this. Uh, Mark Andrews 
and then a, a whole slew of other players, guys like uh, Mike Evans, Will Hernandez, the guard from the uh, from the Giants, the offensive guard from the Giants. Um, T. Higgins um, was another one that got some votes. Uh, Cordero Patterson, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, the wide receiver from the Lions, uh, one of the Pro Bowlers said was uh, the most underrated player in the NFL. The uh, most underrated players on defense, guys like Devondre Campbell, linebacker from the Packers, really good player. Uh, Randy Gregory, uh, you know some, you know some other players like that. The favorite NFL city to travel to. Now, of the Pro Bowlers that were asked, um, you know things have changed obviously because of, of COVID and all this other stuff. One Pro Bowler even said that every every city feels the exact same because we're not allowed to do anything. We go straight to the hotel. We're pretty much on lockdown. Um, five cities were named, none of them on the East Coast, however. Uh, there were basically a five-way tie for first place of the cities that received the most votes. Those cities were Houston, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Seattle. The least favorite cities to travel to. Now, this is no surprise. Buffalo, number one, uh, it got the most votes for the least favorite city to travel to, followed by Green Bay. Now, granted, it's frigid cold in Green Bay, and, I, you know, I totally get it. There is nothing to do in that little town. Like, if you've ever been to Green Bay, Lambeau Field is in the middle of, like, a neighborhood. <laughs> like, there's, like, if you've ever been to Wrigley Field, I remember the first time I went to Wrigley Field, I was really young when I had gone to Wrigley Field for the first time, and I'm like, there's, like, a bunch of houses, 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 all of a sudden there's Wrigley Field. Like, oh, <laughs> it's right in the middle of a neighborhood. We're not used to that here in Arizona, you know, in Phoenix and such, everything's downtown. Everybody lives on the outskirts of town, and all the sports venues are in the downtown area. In, in Chicago, it was like, oh, there's, there's some brownstone homes. Look how close these homes are together. And then, bang, there's Wrigley Field. You're like, whoa, there's a Taco Bell and then Wrigley Field right there. Like, wow. Uh, Green Bay, same way. Lambeau Field is like right there in smack dab in the middle of a <laughs> little housing community, which is cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's very unique. Uh, but, yeah, Buffalo number one on the list of least favorite cities to travel to, followed by Green Bay, then Cincinnati and Jacksonville, which is surprising to me because you would think a lot of players would want to go to Florida and Jacksonville, but I guess Jacksonville is not the greatest place in the world. I've never been, but uh, I've been to Miami, but I've never been to Jacksonville. The coach you would most like to play for, number one, Mike Tomlin. No surprise there. I mean, really, no surprise there. Followed by Mike Vrabel and then Matt LaFleur. Um, the players were asked which is worse, to play a 17th game or to play on Thursdays. This was an interesting one because, you know, when I, when I was in NFL locker rooms and I was in, you know, specifically the Cardinals locker room, they, every, everybody in the league hated playing on Thursdays, hated it. In regards to the responses in this question, now this was an interesting question. The, the, the pro bowlers were asked, what's worse, playing on Thursdays or playing the 17th game? Playing on Thursdays was still worse, but not by a lot. I was surprised to see that the 17th game got as many negative responses as the, the playing on Thursdays. Like, I, I would say like three or four years ago, Playing on Thursdays on a scale of one to five, playing on Thursdays was going to be a five for every single player. Like, they hated it, hated it. But so far, I guess in this particular uh, polling of the Pro Bowlers, it wasn't uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, the average rating was a 3.3, which is still high, 
and it tells you how much the players dislike playing on Thursdays, and it should be done away with because um, I, I, don't, I don't like the Thursday games either. So, But uh, it's interesting, a little, little interesting there. Um, and then as far as uh, favorite athlete outside of football, LeBron James and Tiger Woods. Interesting, though, the, the third-place vote-getter on this, for the, for the Pro Bowlers that were asked, the third-place vote-getter of most favorite player outside of football, Devin Booker was third, ahead of the likes of, like, John Morant and Steph Curry and, uh, you know, other guys, you know, from the golf world and stuff like that. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was interesting as well. It's, it's on The Athletic if you want to check it out. There's some, there's some fun responses from some of the players in there. I didn't want to get into the quotes and everything, but that's basically what, uh, what's going on in the in the world there and I, I think stuff like that is a little more interesting than the actual game of the pro bowl itself all right we're gonna take a time out when i return i'll put a big bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the jeff dean show that's next right here on espn tucson the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson more of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson invites you to the 97th annual Parada de los Barqueros, the Tucson Rodeo Parade on Thursday, February 24th, starting at 9 AM. The parade kicks off at Ajo and Park. And to see the parade routes, the bathroom locations, ticketed grandstand seat availability, parking, and more, Go to ESPNTucson.com. And, of course, the grand marshal of that parade, always a big deal this year, none other than your very own Adia Barnes. She's going to be the grand marshal of that parade. Look, I, you know, as, as someone who grew up in Tucson, essentially families in Tucson and also had family. My, my father's family were dairy farmers, and they lived in Morano. They, the, they had the big shamrock dairy out there in Morano back in the day. And we're all rodeo boys and – um, you know, I got involved in the rodeo, did some mutton busting back in the day, riding on the back of them sheep and uh, <laughs> you know, just having a good time, you know, being out and, and uh, all that stuff. And the Tucson rodeo has always been uh, something that is very near and dear to uh, to my heart. It's a big, big event. And like I said, 97th annual uh, rodeo parade going on at the end of the uh, near the end of the month there February 24th so head on out there and uh, see some real Tucson uh, you know tradition and heritage out there always a good time with the Tucson rodeo if you've never been to a rodeo man I tell you it's it's tons of fun like go check it out it is a great time and the weather's always beautiful for the Tucson rodeo for some reason the sun's always shining on the Tucson rodeo so go out there check it out bring the kids It's, it's great for the whole family Get your cowboy costumes on. We don't care. Like, honestly, like, you know, I grew up on dairy farms, uh, so somewhat of a cowboy kind of growing up. We don't care. If you want to put on a straw hat and some Wranglers and some boots and put your cowboy costume on and go watch the rodeo, don't care. Just go out and have a good time. Uh, get involved with the uh, with the community there and the, the Tucson Rodeo. Always, always fun to check out. Great, great history there for the Tucson Rodeo. Always good stuff. Still plenty of things to uh, to discuss as we get ready for the week of Super Bowl 56. We'll start gearing up, uh, you know, for, you know, breaking down some of the game. I don't think that, you know, I got, there's not a whole lot of things I'm going to be able to tell you about, but media day coming up tomorrow, of course, and uh, we'll hear some of the reports coming out, and I'm sure there will be some interesting questions that people get asked and some interesting responses that are given by certain players. And, of course, having Joe Burrow there, always fun as the, the – uh, 
the swaggy the swaggy guy that he is out there in uh, in Los Angeles. So LA going to be a freak show, guaranteed. All right. Well, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air here. Don't forget to stay tuned. We'll have uh, women's basketball tickets versus ASU for you all week. to be listening for you to call all week for those. Spears and Ali from 3 to 6 today, and I will see you guys again tomorrow right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD for Tucson.